Hi, I'm Weird Al Yankovic, and you're listening to the Pantheon Network. On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Bruce Springsteen has released more than 20 studio albums over the course of his 50-year career, including some of the most iconic rock and roll albums in history. We're both huge fans of the boss here at the Prisoners of Rock and Roll, and we unfortunately didn't get to see him this summer after he canceled part of his tour due to illness. So in this episode, we're taking a close look at what we think are his top five albums. We're going to explain how we came up with this list, talk about the songs that made him such an important figure in music in our lives, and get into what his music means to both of us. Let's go. You better not cry You better not bow I'm telling you why Santa Claus is coming to town Santa Claus is coming to town Santa Claus is coming to town He's making a list He's checking it twice He's gonna find out What's up, everyone? Welcome to Prisoners of Rock and Roll, episode number 74. My name is Bruce Kramer, and I'm behind the mic tonight with Santa's little helper, the one and only Ryan McCusker. Are you rocking? (laughs) Prisoners of Rock and Roll is part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, and our show is sponsored by Boldfoot Socks and McCusker's Tavern in Philadelphia. I love you're adding these new little wrinkles to that every week. I love it. That was my dedication to the final piss show. Uh, yeah, we'll get to that. I have that yeah, in music yeah. news. I, I just have the, I have the spirit of Paul Stanley in me. Uh, awesome, man. So what's going yeah. on, dude? How was your Thanksgiving? It was wonderful, man. You know, I cooked for my family and oh, no awesome. one got food poisoning. <laughs> That's a plus, you know. Awesome. You know, I'm just ready for Christmas. I, I love this time of year, man. Yeah, dude, you've been on Facebook uh, sharing all kinds of Christmas stuff. And even though uh, Santa Claus is coming to town by Springsteen isn't in his top five albums, we just on one of those albums, we were like, we're going to open with this because it's yeah, this is coming out to beginning of December. It's the last show we'll be doing before our Christmas episode, our fourth annual Christmas episode coming up, which is just crazy, crazy crazy yeah man you guys know you've been sharing a lot of christmas stuff we're getting we're in the full season uh over here at our house we've been we put up all the lights and all the other stuff outside and we're ready to go man we are uh we're in we're like going to christmas parties every week for the rest of the year and uh, a lot going on i love setting up my train set it's it, it runs deep in the history of my family having trains run around I got Ralphie's house and, you know, little Ralphie figures from the Christmas story. You know, it's 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 wonderful. There's so much stuff you can add and uh, collect over the years. So that's really you know, cool. I got new tradition. Very cool. 
Yeah, man. We said we got the lights up. We've been listening to Christmas music. We watched a couple of movies, so it's all it's all good. But yeah, so tonight we're talking about the top five albums of Bruce Springsteen, and I was thinking about it. Like, oh, we did a show on Springsteen quite a while ago, and I looked back at our catalog, and it was in episode ten, and here we are. 64 episodes later talking about him again so um yeah like to think we know a little bit more about podcasting now from between then i figured you know it's been a while since we even did a bruce springsteen topic at all you know so you know i was listening to some springsteen this week and uh, i was like why don't we do our favorite records by springsteen and this was great for me because I, you know, I've been listening to so much different types of music and, you know, we're doing the show. It's like whatever the topic is, that's pretty much what I listen to for the two weeks in between. So I'm trying to get into the mood and learn a lot. So as much as I love Springsteen and he's my favorite artist of all time, I haven't spent a whole lot of time listening to him. So doing this show this week was really an opportunity to dive back into some of these albums, man, that I just, I just, I love these. It was really hard for me to come up with the top five. I was really bummed out when he uh, canceled his show last summer. I haven't listened to him at all. And I was just like, it's time. I'm not mad anymore. <laughs> I'm not, yeah. really, you know, I'm saving on the ticket for next summer. But uh, like you said, he has all these albums. But, you know, I think, you know, our favorites and even like his whole thing of he's the prisoner of rock and roll gave us our whole inspiration to have a show absolutely man yeah you're right we were i mean shit i was getting ready to walk out the door to head down to mccuskers the day that uh for one of his shows and you were you called me and we're like dude it just got canceled he's he's sick and total bummer you know we've said before you need a little bit of that in your life you know, no but like you go to his shows and you see grown men crying you know it's like he has so much meaning to so many people you know his words are like gospel men yeah it's like going to church and school and a concert all at the same time and it just um there's nothing like it if you've if you've never seen him live um we say this all the time on the show man go take advantage of the opportunities because you know he's he's 74 years old man he's he's getting older and you never know you might you miss that chance he's still good live too you know, some of these guys still don't have it, but Springsteen still has it, man. Yeah. I had some friends of mine saw him um, last year, like the beginning of the tour and said he was still, you know, still sounded good and all this other kind of stuff. So um, really nothing like it, but uh, we, and I was surprised because figuring out the top five albums was we, we had four of that we agreed upon. And it was one more that we just, we bounced around and we went back and forth a little bit on, but um, I'll just, I'll read the five and then maybe we just, we'll just start going through them. But um, we decided, and this is in no order was born to run born in USA, the rising darkness on the edge of town and the wild, the innocent, the East street shuffle. And I guess that the wild, and the innocent was one of mine and you had the river. We kind of went back and forth and uh, yeah, we ultimately settled on the wild, and the innocent. I just, uh, I don't know, man, we could start there. That was his, but his second album, 1973, he's he wasn't famous yet. He wasn't huge. His albums were getting critical acclaim, but he he didn't have that enormous yeah. superstardom that he got with like Born to Run. You could see it, or I'm sorry, you could hear it in his music and his words. He's still maturing into uh, uh, from like a young guy into a man. You know, yeah. 
some of the lyrics, there's a little bit of like street poetry in this. He's telling a lot of, he paints a lot of pictures with his words and the stuff that he's talking about. I think that's the great thing about Springsteen is that he paints a thing in your head about, you know, his story, his songs are stories mostly. Yeah. And I was thinking about that this week too, that I, I think I really enjoy music that tells stories. I think it's why I've, I've been listening to so much like outlaw country music. There's a lot of storytelling in that. And I like, I like Springsteen so much, Mellencamp, you know, guys that I just enjoy that storytelling aspect. Johnny Cash. Sure. He's like, and Springsteen's like master of his craft. Absolutely. Yeah. It's always like, I respected Dylan. I'm not a big fan of his voice, but you know, I totally understand. He's like also one of the masters of it, but the Springsteen album too, it has so many little elements of things that made him famous. Like there's just little, just l- some quirkiness. It's like, a, there's like, you know, there's a couple like party ish kind of songs on there. Some of the masterful storytelling, the, um, you know, the really long songs that he's famous for. There's just a lot of like the blueprint of what made him successful is here on this album. Which song sticks out? Oh my gosh, man. There's so many. Well, there's only seven songs on this album. But there are the opening for like New York City Serenade, even before he sings, there's just like that's something that like when I listen to, I put it on and I just close my eyes and I listen to it. And I was like, man, this is just uh, it's just perfection to me. Let's hear it. Yeah. In the backseat of his Diamond jacket, she's so intact. And she falls so softly beneath him. Jackie's heels are stacked. That song's 10 minutes long. I was like, holy shit. I didn't realize that's the longest song on that album. I could listen that- to that whole thing. Yeah, sure. That's why there's only a few songs on this record. It had to, it had to uh, fit on one side of vinyl, you know. You know, besides words with Springsteen, his musical abilities, the passion, you can't, uh, you can't teach that. You know, it's something you're born with, and just what, without even saying anything, he's just painting a picture. Yeah, the piano in that, it just it just it's, feels like New York City to me. Yeah, was that Danny Florida Reese? Yeah, it was either him or uh, the professor, Roy Bitten, playing on it. Springsteen, actually, he writes a lot of his songs on piano, too. Like, he's, you know, he's nowhere near as good as the no, guys but, in the band, but he, he will, he dabbles in it, though. No, I'm sure that comes a big part of songwriting is, you know, having the ability to write songs on the piano. It's just a beautiful song, and it it's it tells a story. And uh, I love how he describes automobiles. You know, like he says, like getting into Cadillac, and you know, just how he he just has this way about him. Yeah, he's something he did. I think it was like his VH1 storytellers. He was like, you know, I am I uh, my in the sixties and the seventies. I I wrote a, or the seventies. I was making albums about girls and in uh, cars. And then I, I took the girls out of cars and then I stopped writing about the cars and he was kind of making fun of like, you know, in the nineties when his uh, 
career wasn't really that you know he wasn't making a ton of albums and yeah he kind of you know he moved to la and uh, got rid of the e street band and all that other stuff um, the biggest song on there is rosalita yeah dude but- and that that's a great um you know he still plays it all the time it's an enormous <laughs> it's just a party song again it tells a story um if you listen to the album straight through, it's like it comes right after Incident on 57th Street and it goes right into it. So it's like Incident's got this kind of it kind of winds down and it jumps right into Rosalita. And it's just a great it's just a great tune. I mean, we always hear Rosalita. Let's hear a little bit of Incident on 57th Street. Yeah, dude. That's that's the other one. Incident and New York City Serenade are both just awesome songs. But I'll play a little bit of Incident on 57th Street and we find some good parts in it. Just, it tells a story like in seven minutes he just he tells a story he's i could see why he would get pissed off when everybody say he was the next dylan but like whoa man he was he there's so many like phrases there that has dylan like written all over it even just how he sings parts of it i agree and this album, I can I can see why it didn't have commercial success because the music in it is like it's a little quirky. It's not like a straight up like rock and roll record, right? There's like some, there's just some interesting stuff going on in here. There's definitely the Jersey sound, the Jersey Shore sound going on. You know I that, agree. that that late sixties, yeah. early seventies Jersey sound. And he's got a huge band, right? So he's yeah. a sax player and an organ player and a piano player. Like he's there's a lot of instruments, and his music was always like that. He had a ton of just different stuff. Whether he's playing the mandolin or there's a Glockenspiel and all this other shit mm. going on. Yeah, I love the Glockenspiel. Yeah, you hear a lot of that this time of year too, the holidays. But yeah, dude, and like Fourth of July, Asbury Park is like that. It tells a story, man. And it's like, I mean, growing I love up, that song. That's I a, love yeah, that let's, song. Let's play Sandy. Yeah, let's play a little bit of it. On the boardwalk, way past And the boys from the casino dance with the shirts open like Latin lovers on the shore. Chasing all them silly New York virgins by the score. that's a song like i can see that song sure he is at this point of his career he's so young and and you can hear like the hope in his voice and like the when you're that young you have this romance in your head that you know with life and he's so hungry and like it's powerful it really is and growing up so close to asbury park and going there a lot like you know some of the places he references in this song and shit and and a lot of his songs they're like they're still there right like he talks about highway nine in like a ton of different songs and highway nine runs 
through his hometown of Freehold and down the shore and yeah, like the place he mentions, Madame Marie, the fortune teller, like that place is still there. You can go, you could still go there in Asbury Park. You know, maybe one other song on this album we could talk about too was like the E Street Shuffle, which is just a, it's just a fun, like a party song. And you hear a lot of this starts coming out like in the river. And I think the the river gets a lot of attention from fans because it does have some really cool party songs on it, in addition to some, yeah, the storytelling and stuff like that. But the E Street Shuffles just got a, it's just, it's funky. It's like jazzy, um, really unlike a, a lot of other rock music that was out at the time. It's a great opener. It opens. Yeah, it really album. is. Awesome. Yeah, that's a great point. And that's a good, good segue too, is like, I think you talked about this in the episode we did on him before that he was really keen on songs that would open and close the sides of the vinyl, right? Like he, what do you call it? He called it like the four corners. So like the beginning and end of each side of a record, he tried to make that like uplifting. Yeah. He um, was, he's a master. At, he's a master of like setting up his songs and like how they present them something is probably lost with music going digital and you know, oh and, yeah yeah just There's, yeah there, nobody sits down and listens to an album anymore right and i guess with back with vinyl when that was the only way you could listen to music like you you listen to the album in the order in which they told you you were going to listen to it right you're not just like oh i don't like this song i'm just gonna hit forward on spotify or just jump around to the tracks i want to hear God, I listened to so much vinyl just so I could sit, relax, and listen to an album. I don't want to like listen to a playlist that Spotify came up with my favorite listenings. You know, I, I want to listen to what have I been listening to? God, I just got a bunch of records, and I've been entertaining myself for the last week or so. The experience of listening to an album is just something that I think is largely lost. And something I was something I was reading on Facebook, they were like, um, you know, even if it's CDs, they're like, you you own it, you can listen to it whenever you want to, you can read the liner notes, the artwork, like that whole experience is just largely it's gone now. Like even I, I think Best Buy said they're getting rid of their CD departments. I was I was like, shit, they even still have a CD department in Best Buy, but. Yeah, I'm sure their CD and movie sections are very, very small because everything is digital now. Yep. But, I mean, I had some stupid, like, 1,200 CDs or something. When my wife and I moved in together, I sold them all because I'm like, I just don't have the, I don't have the space for them. Yeah, I threw all my shit out. You're, I didn't take care of my CDs at all. So yeah. throwing them, throw them out wasn't a big deal. Yeah, I sold all mine to a used record store, but you know, I had all my shit was alphabetized and I you know, before I sold them all, I did put a lot of them on my computer. But even that, like iTunes, like I don't go into my iTunes anymore and listen to no, stuff. No, I'm just Spotify, you know, getting right. point A to point B mostly. Yep. But like but I said, I, I you know, I sit home and listen to a lot of just records so I can relax yeah. and listen to a full album. Yeah, well, you're you're having a different music listening experience that most people don't have. I mean, shit. There's even there's songs I like and I go to listen to on Spotify and they're not there anymore, right? There's even it's a drag. Sometimes it comes and goes. Like something's there, and a couple months later it's not because there's different. You know, artists are pulling things or whatever, and it's just yeah, it's uh, yeah. Even we were talking an episode before about uh, when the warden sent Edie Brickell yeah. to the electric chair, and I was like, oh, Henry Rollins did this whole bit. 
and I couldn't find it. Like his Henry Rollins, old spoken word stuff's not on any of the streaming platforms. So I'm like, I used wow. to have all those albums. I don't have them anymore. So yeah, I couldn't find it. Well, he's in control of all that. He don't want it out there. So you know, it's yeah. Henry. Yeah, yeah. But it was like you know, had I not sold all my or gotten rid of my albums, I would have yes. still had it. So yeah, it's yeah. great that you still listen to vinyl that much. But, I love it. I love the sound of it. I w- I have a great sound system hooked up to it. You know, there's nothing like it, man. It's awesome. Um, get it. Let's play a little bit of the E Street Shuffle, and then we can move on to the next album. Here you go. Rad. That song just hits you right out of the gate with all the instruments. There's so much going on right there. It's not so much like a rock and roll song more than it's an R&B song. I agree. There's such a bottom to it. The bass and then Clarence is playing really deep. That's a great opener. Great opener. You know, back then in the seventies, it was safe to like be like a different kind of be a white guy and be an R and B song come out. You know, and he is always like soul music has always been a huge part of his music repertoire and covers he does and shit like that. Yeah, it is so. It's just very different sounding. Super cool, and it really gets like rocking later. Like, yeah, just uh, it really yeah. takes off. Yeah. Great opener. I totally understand in retrospect of why it wasn't getting a ton of um, airplay and it wasn't like a commercial success because there's no song. Like the only song on here that's under five minutes long is Wild Billy's Circus Story. And that's just Mm. that's a really weird song. It's got like a tuba in it. It's really slow. It's a different kind of album. He He is before he got older and mature. Yes, I totally agree. But I think the album that he came out with next after that was one. You know, that's where he he takes off and becomes, uh, you know, a star. Not not the born in the USA level of star, but in the album Born to Run. Oh yeah, that's when like he was like on the cover of uh, Time magazine and Newsweek, and it, it was amazing. It was just it was before my time. I can't, re- you know, I obviously can't remember that run but man what a what a great live shows there are captured from that era of springsteen he was always famous for yeah putting on these amazing shows and they still you know they play a lot of the stuff on the radio or it's on you know spotify like recordings of him from this era Uh, to me born to run is one of those it to me, it's just it's a perfect album, front to back, every song. Um, I, I, I there's not a song on there I don't like. It's just uh, it's one of my favorite albums in all of music. You have a favorite song from that album? Oh my god, uh, <sighs> shit, dude! It it would depend on my mood. What about you, dude? I love Jungle Land. Let's play a little bit of it. Will a maximum lawman run down from the gold chasing? 
kids around here look just like shadows Always quiet, holding hands From the churches to the jails Tonight all is silence in the world As we take our stand Down in jungle That song is just rock and roll poetry Dude, only one guy can from from can say from the churches to the jails. That is awesome. I love the line like the poets down here don't write nothing at all. They just stand yeah. back and let it all be. Which later on in the song, he's yeah, like, it's I'm, like the I'm standing underneath that giant Exxon sign. Yep, it brings yeah. up the whole fair city light. There's an operator on the turnpike. There's a ballet being fought in the alley. The local cops at Cherry Tops. Kids um, switch guitars just like switchblades. Right, it's like like the West Side Story kind of kind of vibe to it. Like there's gonna be a fight going on. It's just uh, it's beautiful, and the sax solo is it's the best saxophone solo in the history of rock and roll. I remember the day Clarence Clemens. Actually, you told me that Clarence Clemens yes. died because I was at in my McCuskers birthday party for, at your birthday party, and you got over that the PA sucks. system. That's the party. Yeah, was every, good. That every, no, no. Yeah. I, every birthday. I remember, Oh, Clarence died on my birthday. But, and then I came home at night and I, uh, I listened to that sax solo of jungle land like 10 times in a row. Just put some headphones on, sat in my, uh, sat in a dark room and just listened to it over and over and over again. And you watch the documentary on the making of born to run. And Clarence said, like, people used to come up to him and be like, man, that sax solo saved my life. Mm. It's just, uh, it's amazing. You know, other song I love on this album is Backstreets. Backstreets is a great song, dude. We can play a little bit of that. It's also got great storytelling. It's got one of the best, like, Springsteen yells at the end of it, too. Love it, man. There's a line in there oh, like, yeah. I hated him and I hated you when you went away. And you're just like, man, it is just powerful stuff. I love that he lets the band ring out. To, you know, he gives the E Street band total room to breathe. It's awesome. Again, it's a song. It's six and a half minutes long. He, he His whole career, he had these really long songs. And you know, shit, when you see some of these live, they're even longer. They're like 12 minutes long. I don't mind it. I don't mind it at all. You rock and I keep it going. I absolutely agree, man. Just looking down the hole, like she's the one. I love the beat. And she's the, she's the one. Born to Run is 10th Avenue. 10th yeah. Avenue is such a cool song. I mean, shit. One of my, one of my cats is named Scooter after <laughs> Bad Scooter from from 10th Avenue Freeze Out. He's even like, I don't know what the fuck a 10th Avenue Freeze Out is. That is hysterical on that Broadway thing he did, and he was like, I don't know. I make it all up. 
I don't know anything about cars. I, I have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> There's a um there is an ice cream shop in Belmar, New Jersey, down the shore called the Tenth Avenue Freeze Out. I'm like, that is brilliant. Great. Brilliant. Yeah, Belmar is like right near Asbury Park where you know where he grew up. But yeah, dude, we could play a little bit of Tenth Avenue, maybe like uh especially the part where you know tells a story of, of How Clarence met- joining the band. Yeah. He always and says when he man. plays his live, this is this is the important part. Let me get to that. Well, the change was made up town and the big man joined the band. From the coastline to the city, all the little brothers ways ahead. I'm gonna sit back right easy and laugh. Well, the school up in my plus the city in the land. Tenth Avenue, freeze out. Tenth Avenue, freeze out. Dude, Clarence spits fire out of that saxophone, man. The relationship that the two of them had, it's just a special part of the music, too. Like they but were, the, yeah, they were the close album friends. cover. The album cover at the time, the 70s, you know, there's still a lot of black and white against each other thing. And here Springsteen puts the darkest man he could find on the cover with him. You know? Right. He he was, you know, he was he was showing the world. Sure, right. So, yeah, you know, I guess if uh, you look at the vinyl, Springsteen, like you can see like half a Clarence Springsteen's leaning on him, and you would open it up, and Clarence was on the other, the back side of it. Yeah, dude, and he was he would dance on stage with with Clarence and like kiss him on the lips. You know, like oh, they would yeah. be they'd they be were dancing brothers, together. They, yeah, they were. They were brothers. You read Springsteen's book, and you see how far their relationship really went. It was very different. I mean, other guys in the band have passed away or quit and moved on. And but when Clarence Clarence passed away, it was just it's just different. It it is Jay Clemens, his nephew, plays in the band. Um, he's good. He's, he's not Clarence. He's not. No, Clarence. he never I mean, will. Clarence be, is also a Clarence is a know, figure on the stage. But you know, the kid goes out there and he's hungry, and it sounds it. Yeah. You know, not not that Clarence, you know, you just wait the same solo a million times, whatever. Now this kid comes out and it's, you know, he's hungry and he's just trying to make his spot. He's not trying to take Clarence's spot at all. He's just taking this taking it to the to the, the next level so the music can continue. Yeah. Other songs on the album, I mean, Born to Run is one of the perfect rock and roll songs, and it's amazing to hear him talk about that because he's like I sat down trying to write one of the greatest songs in the history of rock and roll. And he did. Sure. I mean, shit. It just, uh, you know, again, another song I can see, you can go to Asbury park. A lot of those places are still there. He talks about the version of that song on the, uh, born to run on, um, that box set, that live box set. He kills. That was like my first introduction to, born or run i never heard it until that version interesting and wow and wow what a you know they had a video for it back in when we were kids it was on mtv all the time yeah and it was a live version he's running around the stage and like you said he kisses clarence in the video and it was like wow this guy is a performer thunder road too was another song like i can hear 
and you said like being exposed to it there the vh1 storytellers he sits at a piano and he was playing it and he was talking about it as he was playing and it's super cool i mean i don't think he plays it the whole way through he plays a couple minutes and he stops and he talks about it but he was like you know this song was my my invitation to the album and it was like the opening much like we said like the beginning and the end of the four corners of his albums um he wanted were like special to him. They had like special, special places in uh, what the songs were. Wow. I never heard that. Yeah. It's really cool. It's uh, it's really, it makes sense. Yeah. You know, as me, you know, I, I, I love that. I, I'm going to try to notice it a little bit more on his records. I don't know how far he got with it. Cause again, I mean, he's probably not doing it now, just given the way albums. No, together, well, but. you know, music's, printed out differently now so yeah. you know but definitely the first couple albums had that that element to it it's just very interesting it's i love to hear him as a young guy you know, yeah like that, being young and have a romance in your head that's you know he captured yeah, like he captured being young in the summer you know Absolutely. And the themes that he sings about and the way his voice sounds and everything, it just it has absolutely evolved over the 50 years you know, that he's been making music. And, uh, you know, we'll get into like the rising a little bit later, but just how different that sounds and how different is put together than some of this early stuff. I mean, shit, even Born to Run sounds very different than the Wild, the Innocent, the E Street Shuffle. You know, he had, he had success, and with success, you get better producers, and, you know, Jimmy, I, uh, Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy Iveen. Jimmy Iveen did a lot of shit on Born to Run. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That we magic still have to, year. We still have to do an episode on Jimmy Iveen or any of those music producers. It would just be, yeah, that's, that's some music nerd stuff, but that would be an interesting story to get into. He's an interesting guy. Yeah. I keep meaning to watch that documentary with him and uh, Dr. Dre. It's great. Yeah, it's great. I started it and I didn't finish. I forget why I stopped and I just never circled back to it. I never but, knew anything about him until I watched that documentary. I was like, whoa, this guy's a monster. Yeah, crazy. He made like more money from his headphones than he did all the records he produced and just how many albums he, he did. He deserves all the success that he gets. All, those rec- all that music he made and probably got nothing from it yeah it's amazing how there's like a small group of music producers you know maybe like i don't know you could probably pick 10 of them and you'd be like how many you have phil specter jimmy iveen clive davis ahmed erdogan uh you know whatever and just rock. like how many like you know enormous number of records that they put together barry gordy uh just you're just like holy shit yeah crazy yeah all right, man. So the third album we both had on the same list, and that was the follow-up to Born to Run, and that's Darkness on the Edge of Town. That is my favorite record. If I could is have it? A, is your favorite if I could have a number, If I can have a number one album, that would be it. Really? Why, why would that be your number one? I don't know, man. It just speaks to me differently than other records do, you know? Okay. Just, yeah. Uh, you know, now that you say the like the four corners, I'm thinking about because I do listen to it on vinyl a lot. It's like a security blanket for me. The darkness on the edge of town. Okay, uh, you know, and um, 
he still has that young mentality in his head and he's still hoping for the future in his songs. Yeah, he said Darkness was his samurai album. It's all stripped down and ready to fight. And I, I read a review in a Medium that said, this is Springsteen's first adult statement. In Born to Run, he's crooning about drinking warm beer in a soft summer rain. In Darkness, that rain is falling on the head of a silent man trudging through factory gates on his way to a job that allows him to make a living at the expense of his own life. And I was like, I love that. It is, it, it's, it is darker. It is a dark song. It's at that time. It was a dark time in American history. There was no jobs. You know, there was the gas situation. Yeah, this is kind of where he starts singing. He becomes like the more like the blue collar, right? His reputation yeah. of being for like the working band. This is really where that starts to to come out. Play factory, man. All right. Walks out in the morning light The work, the work and just the working life Through the mansions of fear Through the mansions of pain See my daddy walking through them factory gates in the rain Factory takes his ear Factory gives great song yeah i was never super into that and then one of the billion times i've seen him was when he was on tour and he was playing a different album front to back at each date yeah he played this album front to back and i had just a yeah yeah the spectrum right the spectrum yeah yeah and i had a totally different appreciation for it i don't know if you saw him but he played that year in philadelphia on labor day and he came out and he opened with this song Yes, Citizens Bank like, Park. I was like, holy shit, I can't yeah. believe he's opening with this. He walked out and was like, my people, because he yeah. he just loves playing Philadelphia. And yeah. uh, yes, yes, that was that show was one of the best concerts I've ever been to. I think I was with the warden. At that Yeah, I was at with my show. father. I was with my father. Yeah. yeah. You know what the song I love is Streets of Fire. Streets of Fire is also great. Some of the, I mean, this is an album. There's a couple songs on here where the professor Roy Bitten's piano playing is just, it, he just crushes it. And Streets of Fire has got some of that in it too. Play a little bit of it. Wow, it is. This is a dark album. And yeah, songs like that are just they're they're plotting. Um, the way he sings, like the you know the pace at which he's singing, is just it. He's come so far from like the E Street Shuffle at this point. It's a different kind of. He's a different kind of man. I think uh, Born to Run really like showed him how much he was getting ripped off in the music industry. You know, he started doing the math and all that shit. And it, I think it made him even more so like write a little bit more honesty. 
Yeah, if I remember correctly, this is right around when his relationship with his first manager, Mike Appel, uh, ended. He started working with Landau, or it was like right around like something. His his relationship with his first manager did not end well, and it was like lawsuits, and they were suing each other, and all kinds of other shit. And he, um, I believe, this was part of that, if I remember correctly. Mm. Because you go back to listen to episode ten that we did, and it was it's in there. But now I think my favorite song on Darkness is "Racing in the Streets." I think "Racing in the Street" is where the hardcore Springsteen nerds like. I think that's the line. There's like the casual everybody knows "Born in the USA" and yeah. "Born to Run" and all the hits. To me, "Racing in the Street" is like the perfect album or the perfect song that was never a huge hit and. I love uh, this is like the nerdness, but the version off of the promise, which was like the box set for Darkness Under yeah, the Town. Yeah, sure. There's a there's an out, a different version of it, which is I think that's one of my favorite Springsteen songs. But I'm with I you, dude. To, Racing in the Street is a great song. I love the line, and I always think of us because we're partners in crime. When he's like, "We only run for the money, no strings attached. We shut them up and we shut them down." That's me and you, man. We shut him up and then we shut him down Tonight, tonight, the strip's just right I wanna blow him off in my first heat Summer's here and the time is right For racing in the street We take off there are so many great friggin' lines in that I know. that song. Like I love the that some guys they give up living, start dying little by little, piece by piece. Some yeah. guys come home from work and they wash up and go racing in the street. It's just it's poetry. It's just he's rock is rock and roll poetry. Oh, I I so agree, man. And it's kind of a sad song, right? He he wins the girl from a race and then she's kind of sad at the end and they want to drive off and. It's like a movie. Yeah, right, right. And it's a little, like an old, like, you know, not to say Thunder Road, but, you know, like one of those movies like Thunder Road or yeah, racing movies. A, yeah, and he took a lot of inspiration from that. Obviously, Thunder Road was inspired yeah. from a movie, Thunder Road. And, um, yeah, he was always into kind of old films and stuff like that. Um, you know, too, like, he also... Um, is a pretty goddamn good guitar player, and that gets overshadowed by all the oh, issues yeah. that he has. Oh, yeah. And he, you know, if you ever see him live, and they play Adam Ray's The Cane, he he brings it, and he goes oh, yeah. crazy. I'll play a little bit of that. The beginning of it is just like, yeah, you sit down, and you just get hammered over the head with this.
you made such a great point earlier when you said that Springsteen gives everybody the the room to kind of do their thing and yeah. like flourish. Because just listen yeah. to that, like you like try to listen beyond the lyrics and listen to everything that's going on. There's like you know there's these little little flourishes on the piano that are popping up, and it's really cool. I love how Springsteen plays guitar. You know, I famously said, you know, yeah, Springsteen drags his notes. He don't, you know, he like pulls and drags them, man. He doesn't play them. He doesn't bend them. The motherfucker, you know, he just down and dirty and just beats it up almost. He's, Absolutely overlooked as a it's guitar all player. passion. All his playing. It's not about you know, being Steve Vai with him or being Joe Satriani or any of that shit. It's about being like playing that one note and and being, it's, it, you know, it's expressive with it. And that's a big part of seeing him live is just the emotion that he conveys, right? Whenever he's, that's coming out of him when he's playing the guitar, he's performing live. Just passion. Man, right. He's just pouring himself out for three and a half hours, three hours, whatever, four hours sometimes. Um, just awesome. Dude, I'll take passion over talent any day. Yeah. I I agree, particularly with his music. Um, yeah. And then I don't know, man, maybe the other the other song worth playing on here is Badlands. And to me, that's like seeing Badlands live is if I had to take somebody to see Springsteen live and hear like one song to kind of like get it what it's like to see him live. It would be that like the top, you know, the there's the break and the whole crowd's going like, Whoa, yeah, yeah, and yeah. he's just standing there and he's holding the guitar up. And it's just, um, that has one of my favorite lines in rock and roll, which just, uh, it ain't no sin to be glad you're alive. Yeah. I love be, like, this is an opener for the album right. and it's a drum intro. I love the drum intro to it. And it just powerful. There's just, there's hope in that song. It's an, it's kind of uplifting. You know, I, I believe in the love that can save me. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's one of my favorite rock and roll songs here. We'll play it from the beginning because it does have that opening, the drum. I love too, like when the guitar comes in, it's like it's going up and down the neck real quick before the he starts playing. Vivum. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's bold. It's it, the it's like he's standing up, uh, defiant. It's just uh, it's I, I love it. He made a comment once. He said when he sings the chorus Badlands, he was trying to sound like Roy Orbison. Interesting. Yeah, like yeah, just like Roy Orbison would like you know sing like real high. Yeah, interesting. I know he was a big Roy Orbison fan. So who isn't? That's true, right? I'm a big Roy Orbison fan, but there's that um, there's some whatever some tribute 
show to Roy Orbison. Oh, yeah. And, and Springsteen was playing guitar in the background. Yep. So, yep. We need to talk about Roy Orbison more, man. He's one of the best. So, dude, I say uh, we take a little break. Yeah, dude, that sounds like a great spot. We'll take a little break. We'll come back. We got two more albums to talk about, and then we got a bunch of music news, and we got all kinds of other good stuff. All right, yo, stick around. We'll be back. Prisoners of Rock and Roll is sponsored by McCusker's Tavern at 17th and Shunk Streets in Philadelphia. There's something for everyone on the beer list and the jukebox in McCusker's. It's minutes from the sports stadiums in Philly, making it a great place to stop by for a few drinks before or after a concert or a game. Come see for yourself why everyone from Philadelphia Magazine to Playboy has called it one of the best dive bars in the city. Visit them at 17th and Shunk Streets in Philadelphia or on Facebook. That's McCusker's Tavern. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late, and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make, and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well, I could make a run to the store, or I could make one of my new factor meals. <laughs> Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything Factor Meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor Meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code pantheon50 to get 50% off. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain again with something every podcast listener and music junkie needs to hear. As I'm sure you can guess, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I also listen to a lot of music, so having high-quality headphones and earbuds are absolutely critical to my day. Oh, and I have numerous pairs. In fact, I have a junk drawer of used devices that have bitten the dust, so I've tried them all. Recently, I was sent a pair of earbuds by Raycon, and the first thing I noticed was the cost. Uh, looks like their products are about half the price of other premium brands. Okay, that's cool. And the reviews seem pretty stellar. Okay, checks that box. So I got my Raycon Everyday Earbuds, a nice packaging to open, and what I immediately noticed were the pack of ear tips for sizing. Uh, I'll tell you, I have small ear canals. Uh, I know a flaw. So to see choices for the best fit, uh, especially while exercising, uh, oh yeah. And yes, they were immediately comfortable. Sound quality was great too. Plus I have three EQ options that I love because I like more bass in my music and less in the podcasts. Eight hours of playtime for the battery is great as well. Surround sound, noise canceling, and awareness mode all included. I think I'm in business, and I just realized I've had them in all day. Like I said, super comfortable. Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon.
So now that the holidays are in full swing, I'm sure everybody's looking for some last-minute gifts or some stocking stuffers. Be a great chance to go check out Boldfoot Socks. Prisoners of Rock and Roll is proud to be sponsored by Boldfoot Socks because they're a family-owned American business. It just makes great socks in a variety of styles. And every pair is made in America for materials grown in America. On top of that, they're a vet-owned business. They donate 5% of their proceeds to veteran charities. And when you're done listening to us, you can just head on over to boldfoot.com and check them out and tell them that Ryan and Bruce and the Prisoners of Rock and Roll sent you. It's boldfoot.com. Speaking of that, man, you know, uh, Josh is a friend of ours, the owner of Boldfoot Socks, and he is one of those crazy, like, ultra runners. And I saw on their Facebook page that he just finished uh, something. He said – uh once again, the Bullfoot Sox helped us during our six-hour race in Franklin, Tennessee. He did he did a race called the Tennessee Mile, where you run up and down a hill called the Murder Mile. Oh, God. And it's how many times can you run it in six hours straight? Oh, now that's, that's <laughs> right? insane. Josh, right? are you insane, brother? No, I know he's he does all kinds of like you know, fifty mile runs, hard to mile runs, and uh, all this other kind of stuff. So crazy, crazy. I have that. I don't have that much energy, but God bless that dude. Right. I assume he he's he's still standing after doing it, but he was. Uh, they were posting some pictures on Facebook talking about um, you know the training that they were doing and everything else. So wow, yeah. Props, props. Good stuff, man. He's a he's a good dude, and he's a big fan of ours, and he's a really big music guy. So, keep on rocking, brother. Yeah, man. We're back from the commercial break. Thanks so much for sticking with us. That was obviously Glory Days off of the enormous friggin' album Born in the USA. God, it was so big, that album. I think it's one of the four records that I remember as a really young child that like introduced me to music. I feel the same way. My dad had it on cassette tape and used to play it all the time. And in the car growing up and we uh, had we had it on vinyl okay and, oh, wow and, and yeah yeah and it was on my little record player all the time you know? very cool yeah i remember uh my dad just playing that playing that all the time i knew every one of those songs off of the album and uh i was like i was a casual springsteen guy and then when he got the band back together i i got tickets for my dad for like father's day to take oh, him wow. to a show and seeing him live just that just blew i was like holy shit what am i what am i looking at yeah and, i was at uh, that, that show i was at I one just, of those shows anyway yeah that that was just what hooked me and then uh yeah um you know it's you grow up with songs and they change meaning to you you know like I love the song My Hometown. I always did. But, you know, you tell he's telling a story that, you know, you, now he has his kid on his lap saying this used to be this and this used to be this. And now I've grown up and I'm looking around and this used to be that and this used to be that and this used to be that. You know, it's really strange. Like you grow up and then you see these songs have more meaning to you. You know, let's play Hometown. Steer 
drove through town Tassel my hair Say something Good look around This is your hometown This is your hometown This is your hometown This is your hometown Yeah, I could definitely I think I wasn't smart enough to understand what that song was about when yeah. it was, yeah, when I was a kid. And also, it's like, like I've seen a lot in my life, a lot of stores closing up because they can't afford to be open anymore. You know, and he says it seems like nobody wants to come down here no more. You know, I, I've seen that in my life. Sure, right? Shit, I mean the music stores that we worked in. Oh right? yeah, they're, they, yeah. You now that they're they're gone that whole experience of going to a music store and just browsing around it that's not like a very common thing anymore like malls don't have it's just not a thing that you do anymore i you know i i dream about going to record stores man i swear to god i do and like just picking record i wish i could start all over again and have record stores and just be able to start collecting like vinyl again for first time Sure, because there was things you picked up just because you liked the band's name or the artwork, and you would sit there and you would study it, and you'd go through the liner notes and read all the shit about it, and you know, some you would hope the lyrics were in the liner notes for the in the CD, so you could read along. Now, like the cover of Born in the USA, I think is brilliant. I mean, it's the blue collar American flag. It's the white shirt, the blue jeans, and the red hat. Yeah, Andy Leibovitz photo of him. And that's what, yeah, the, the icon of him with the headband and the sleeveless T-shirt and right. He started lifting weights and all this other kind of stuff. But this album, it was like, I feel like every song on this was a single. It was like, I feel like I knew every one of these songs from the radio, not necessarily from listening to the album. And maybe that was because my dad played it so much when I was growing up. But there's a there's great uh, working on the highways fun. You know, it is. It's a little it's, weird. Like, uh, that's why guy, I like it. The guy might be getting arrested for statutory rape because he he says, like, don't you know, she's just a little girl. She don't know nothing about the cruel, cruel world. And then he winds up in jail. But it's um, yeah, it's got a it's got a rock and beat to it. And it's, you know, I was it. I, I work for the county out of 95 and I hold a red flag and just watch the traffic pass me by. And it's like all he wants to do is just go out and have a beer on a Friday night. But. You know, this yeah. is the album when Springsteen start making like videos for MTV. Like he was like playing little little actor roles in his videos, which one of my favorite videos that he ever made is for the little song "I'm on Fire." Yeah, when he's the mechanic, and she's like, "Drop this hot girl, drop this car off." Yep. Yeah, play, we could play a little bit of that. Yeah, sure. Hey, little girl, is your daddy home? Did he go and leave you all alone? I got a bad desire. Oh, I'm on fire. Tell me now, baby, is it good to you? And can he do to you the things that I do? Oh, no. I can take you high. I've seen him play that. I mean, that's uh, all yeah. these songs on this album 
have a sheen of 80ness on them, right? Just the way they're produced. Oh, sure. The, 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 know, the, um, uh, the, the uh, organ in the background. Yeah, a lot of and, synth. And, yeah. But if you sometimes I've seen him play this live, and he'll, like, one time he just, like, he just pulled a chair up on the stage and he just sat down and he just singed it. And it was so just, like, raw and emotional. It was so different sounding. Which is one of the things I love about his music is that he will reinvent songs and come up with different versions of things. Oh, sure. Um, it was just a totally different experience listening to it than this version, which is also a song that I didn't understand what it was about when I was a kid. I'm like, why is well, he singing think, as your you, daddy you know, home? Yeah, you, you know, you, you grow up and you look at these songs, you're like, oh, oh. Right, right. I was some naive 12-year-old not knowing what the hell was going on, but... Uh, I love the song No Surrender. Yeah, I do too. And I you probably feel the same way. I mean the line in there, I've learned more from a three minute record than we ever learned in school. And just Dude, uh, that's a great so line. true. Absolutely. So true. Yeah. I love the uh yeah, I love the defiance of no surrender. That um it reminds me of my wife a lot, just uh her her attitude and and love towards it. things in life and just uh I, I whenever i hear that song it makes me think of her we can play a little i bit. love that woman yeah i do too yeah absolutely play a little bit of it There's a defiance in that song. It's just, um, I don't know. Again, it's just like a boldness, much like in Badlands. Like he's just, he's standing up. And I love the, you know, the, the line, I'm ready to grow young again is, uh, it's great. And these, even as this is playing, I'm just looking down the list of Spotify. These songs are all like four and a half minutes, right? So this is, this album is built to be played on the radio. Yeah, I totally, you know, I was so in the mind of being mainstream. The album was done. They're like, no, you need one more fucking song. And he's like, what are you talking about? I need one more song. He's like, go home and write a hit. And you know what it was? It was Dancing in the Dark. Dancing in the Dark, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, they said, who was it, Landau? Say, you don't have a hit. You have a couple hits, but you need a super hit. Yeah. He's like, all right, motherfucker. I'm going to go home. and." But you listen to the words. It's like, no big deal. Like, there's nothing like. I'm standing here looking in the mirror, like, you know, just trying to read, you know, he's just, it's about him writing a song. Right. There's a joke here in here somewhere and it's on me sitting around getting older. There's a joke here somewhere and it's on me. Um, yeah. It's crazy that that's like the throwaway, like, okay, here, you want something? I'll just bang this out and we'll throw it on. And it became this enormous thing, which he's still like, it's like one of the last songs he plays every time he's in concert and the place goes crazy. And yeah, we sure. pull somebody up to go to dance with somebody in, you know, if it's either him or, you know, somebody will have a sign. Can I dance with your guitar tech or some shit like that? And he pulls them up on stage and they dance with them. So, you know, it's yeah. a shame that the song born in the USA is so cliche and everything like that. I really think it's one of his greatest songs around dude. Like the, 
the the Vietnam vets in my heart are goes deep. Like my heart goes out to those guys hardcore. You know, like those guys went through hell and they came back to nothing. You know, like they were they were treated like trash. You know, it was awful. You know, and um, the inspiration was this this title. And it was it was a movie, and he was like, "Let me have the title of the movie Born in the USA." It was called, and he's like, "I'll write a song for it for your new movie, and you can call it that." And it was called "The Light of Day." Hmm. Yeah, I know he did a lot with the guy who wrote "Born on the Fourth of July," the that that film was about the veteran. Yes, and it's such a it's such amazing too, like the how people misread that song. And tried to use it. Oh my god! Like Reagan was using it as like a patriotic song. You're like, dude, this is a scathing indictment of how we treat the country treats veterans. It is. It's a fucking shame, dude. Like yeah. my heart goes out to those poor guys. The version of this that's on the live from New York album. Uh-huh. It, yeah. It's more like stripped down. It's on tracks too. I think the box. Yeah, set, like the original. It's- and it's just like a guitar and it is just like um you said like songs different meaning it's like when you strip out all the 80s stuff and you just hear it stripped down you're like wow this is a it's like a woody guthrie i was just thinking that woody guthrie yeah absolutely yeah but let me hear some of that born in the usa yeah i mean the beginning of this is just it's the beginning of the album yeah and it's so right like we're saying like the beginnings of each um the sides of the albums i mean shit what is more it's this huge, like just the drum beat, just how oh, big God. this sounds. Just the drum oh, it's solo. over the top. The yeah. drum solo went oh God, it's yeah, great. Here. Amazing. He's, I mean, it's so played out to us. You know, we we just like write it off as whatever. But, you know, we get to that second verse about, you know, my brother keeps and Kaysan. Yeah. It's, it's hardcore, man. And I mean, when you see him live, nobody's sitting down, right? And everyone, there's people like die hard, right? I've seen him over 20 times and there's people that have seen him far more than me. Yeah. Um, but when he plays that and those first couple opening notes of that song, the place always goes completely bonkers. Whenever I've never, I never seen him play it. I went. Um, I said that tour when he was playing every uh, the albums and he was yeah. rotating a different album. And yeah. I went to the the night of darkness. I went to the night of born to run. And then the last one was born in the USA. And I was like, I have to go see this. Like that album was just so important to me growing up. I have to see him play this front to back. Dude, I had to work every single night of those shows, and that's why I didn't go. The uh, bar comes first. Yeah, I get it, man. I totally get it. I regret that shit so much because there's always yeah. another work day. Yeah. But I couldn't call out of work to miss yep. those. Oh, I hate my life. <laughs> Sometimes the work comes first, brother. I get it. Well, I had a great time. But... Go fuck yourself. Ah. <laughs> uh. 
right, dude. So we got one more album to talk about, and I was really glad to see that we both agreed on this, The Rising. And I sometimes go back and forth that this might be one. Sometimes, depending on my mood, this is my favorite Springsteen album. It's, I mean, at a time in American history, this is a, a perfect time for it to come out. It was like right after 9-11. What's the story that the guy was walking on the beach? Yeah. So he had, the band had gotten back together. And I guess now, like, I don't know, man, it's hard to, it's hard to emphasize how big of a deal that was that he was getting the E Street band back together. Right. Cause they were like, they got back together and they did like a week residency in like Asbury park. And they were like, they were rehearsing and they didn't ca- like, they never cared if people go and like hang out outside and listen to them rehearsing. And it was like, Holy shit. The E Street band's back together. I think like today's show was from Asbury Park for like a week. And then they did the reunion tour and, but they still hadn't put out any music. And they, you know, I guess after 9 11, he was, he was driving somewhere or he was on his motorcycle. He was somewhere and some dude stopped him and was like, Hey, we need you. Like America needs you right now. And he was just kind of like, that was the, what spurred him to, to make this album. I think it is one of the most tasteful responses to 9 11. Especially like the title, "The Rising," after yeah. you know this horrible thing that happened, make those buildings collapse. You know, let's play "The yeah. Rising." Yeah. I could play that whole song. I know. I could play this whole album. I yeah. bought you this on vinyl, didn't I? Uh, I don't. One Christmas. Yeah. I bought you the record player and you told me how this is my favorite, your favorite album. And I bought this for you. I know I did. I know I did, bro. I got the record players right next to me. <laughs> it's right on my, it's right on my bookshelf, my office. Better be motherfucker. It is. Um, which I love is my city of ruins, which is another song that's not saying like nine eleven, but you know how can you not mistake yeah. the title of that? You know, yeah. So that song he initially wrote about Asbury Park because Asbury Park went through a kind of a, a tough time where it was it was run down and nobody was moving there, and then um, you know, a lot of it's it's turned a corner a lot now. Oh yeah, um, but oh, yeah. at the time it was it was supposed to be about asbury park and then after 9 11 it became, you know he played it at that tribute show the uh the heroes tribute the fundraiser yeah and it just totally became about that but you know these like um yeah let's play that and i got some notes on my city ruins and we can talk about some other shit this cool. album my city of
that song it has such like a, a church over it, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's singing yep. about the congregation's gone and the organ is in there and the end it uh you know, he starts singing like with these hands, with these hands, I pray Lord. Um Yeah, it, it's just an incredibly powerful song. And um I sent you some notes today, like when I was or a couple days ago about this song that that it borrows heavily from a Curtis Mayfield song called People Get Ready. Did you did you listen oh, to yeah, that? Yeah, people get ready. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, people get ready is a fucking great song. Yeah, it's like it's the exact so many bit of it. So many people covered it, but it's got like it's the exact same music as My City of Ruins, and some of the lyrics about like you don't need no ticket, just get on board is what Springsteen uses and Land of Hope and Dreams. But uh, here's a little bit of People Get Ready by Curtis Mayfield. It's the same. It's the same musical arrangement. There's a train of coming You don't need no baggage You just get on board All you need is faith To hear the diesel's humming You don't need no ticket You just think alone Anyway, yeah, I just thought that was cool that that's uh, where, the, where the music came from. He borrowed very heavily. You want to hear Curtis. a great version of that is... Uh, yeah. Is Rod Stewart does it with Jeff Beck? People get ready. Yeah, it's really? fucking amazing. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, it's it's it used to be on this compilation at the bar, and we used to play it all the time. Huh. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, Jeff um, Beck kills it. Part of um this album too, the rising. It sounds so much different than a lot of the earlier stuff that we we're playing. And I was yeah. trying to say what it was. Like it's like um, it's safer. But it's it's bigger. Like the sound is, it's not like a wall of sound. But it's just um, like this album and Magic and a couple of like his later stuff all has this different sound to it. It's not as um all over the place like you said with the musicians having the freedom. It just yeah. sounds a little tighter. I mean, I think they're more mature. Sure. And I, you know, I think recording process has changed. Also, everything we listen to is on tape. Now, this is probably the first time. Not the first time, but you know, one of they did digitally, you know, did on a, a hard drive, you know. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> there's a lot. I think the the guitar is more prevalent here, but this is also the first time that like Nils Lofgren and Little Steven are in it, right? So like, yes, you know, Little Steven quit before Born in the USA to replace him with Nils, and yeah. then when he got the band back together, he was like, "Well, I'm not making a decision. I'm going to hire both. I'm going to both of them," and um. The producer too, who did this, I was like, I was like, who produced this album? Because there's definitely like a sound to yeah. a couple of these albums, and it's this dude, Brandon O'Brien, that I didn't know who he was, but then I started looking up like the albums he has produced, and I was like, holy shit, he did "Shake Your Money Maker" and the Southern Harmony albums from the Black Crows. Oh Super wow, unknown, Super Unknown by Soundgarden. He did a bunch of Stone Temple Pilots albums. He did "Verses," "No Code," and "Yield" by Pearl Jam. Evil Empire by Rage, Audio Slave, Trey Anastasio, ACDC, Mastodon, Prophets of Rage. So this guy was like, this was like a really big deal. This oh, guy. wow. I think he still works with Springsteen. Oh, I'm going to listen to this all the way through to uh, try to place that 90s sound, you know? Yeah. Big interesting. Yeah, really interesting. 
And he said, uh, I had a quote from him. He said when he they, an interview with the guy, he was like, well, what was it like working with Springsteen? He's like, he, he's like, I was sitting down with Springsteen. I said, hey, man, I got to tell you, we had a great day together and I'm really excited about doing this, but I'm worried. You have a long history of recording stuff and not putting it out. And um, that just scares me to death. I don't want to do that. And Springsteen was just like, I don't know what to tell you, man. That's how things <laughs> go. So. Because Springsteen said he's got like a second box set that he's going to do that he said he really he recorded like four albums in the 90s that he just never released. He was like, I ah, forget it. I don't. And he said, like, now he may put them all out in like another box set. Huh. I wonder but, how good it would be. Yeah. There's always rumors that like they recorded uh, Nebraska, like electric with the full band. I would love to hear that. I would. Too. I love that record. I mean, yeah. You know, I love song off the rising is Lonesome Day. Dude, Lonesome Day is I said this, I think when we talked about Springsteen before that song has helped me with so many difficult times in my life. There yeah. is just a, when he is singing, it's all right. It's all right. I feel like he is singing to me. And I, I find, think he was telling everybody it's all right. When yeah. it's the first song on the record, you yeah. know, and, and, and they, you know, that's a good point is like after nine, like there's no anger in these songs. Not right? He's not like, we're going to go kill everybody and we're going to bomb the shit out of him, like, which is the way a lot of us felt, right? Like, yeah, I mean, sure. You yeah. Know, we, wanted, we wanted blood for what happened. We were alive when this ha- when 9-11 yeah. happened. But this is more like, I don't know, there's, there's reassuring. There's some comfort in it. I think that was what it was about was comforting. He was trying to comfort everybody. Yeah. And I mean, even some of the songs that are on this album that I think he recorded before, 9-11 that he had that necessarily aren't about 9-11 yeah they, they feel weird oh, i don't to think me i don't think all these songs are about 9-11 i think they're about hope you know which is a big thing that people needed at that time yeah and it, we'll we'll get back and we'll play lonesome well let's just play lonesome day and i'll finish my thought Maybe once I thought I knew everything i needed I, I oh, still I get, love it. I, I got. I said I got chills when we played this on the other episode of Springsteen, and I just had the same experience. It just. It always gives me chills. I love the drum part. That in this lonesome day, awesome shit. Yeah, you were saying not all the songs are about nine eleven, but I think Lonesome Day is into the fire. Nothing man is kind of empty sky. Empty uh, sky is a great song, dude. Yeah. Um. You're missing, you're missing, man. I shit. I I remember that song bringing me to tears, like the first mm. time I heard it. You know what I love? It maybe a little cheesy, and I love it when he does it live. Is waiting on a sunny day. I hate that song live. My uh, wife, my wife loves it too. She really. Yeah, likes I love it. when he brings the little kids up on stage and he sings it along with them. I love it. I, I'm I'm a cheesy guy. I don't know. I don't. I that's normally when I get up and go go to the bathroom, but mm. I understand it. That's okay. Mary's Place is a great song. Yeah, Mary's Place kind of borrows. I, I was reading there's a Sam Cooke song called Meet Me at Mary's Place that he kind of he borrowed from. We would play 30 seconds of that. My heart's dark, but it's rising. 
such a fun it is so fun, fun. I, but i feel weird listening to it after all this like he- like you're missing is the next song and you're like man that that is so heavy you know about the yeah. person missing their loved one who died in in 9-11 i don't know it just it doesn't fit in the album for me for some reason it just makes me feel weird when i listen to it i like it though yeah yeah it's a cool song it's like it harkens back to some of those like eastery shuffle like party songs you just put on you're having a good time maybe that's what he was trying to go for yeah very well could be it's like, all right, in the middle of all this drag shit, let's put a happy Right, song. got some some cool tunes we're going to play. You know. All right, I think that's it for Springsteen, man. Let's jump into the back end of the show. All right, I got one second thought. We got an email from a guy, Tom Holler, and he was reading. He sent us an email about the We Are the World show. He said, I listened to your show on We Are the World. That song stinks, but that's not why I'm writing. You were talking about Phil Collins and Sting and other people not being there. The answer was right under your nose. One of you said it. The supergroup was called USA for Africa. It was only U.S. artists. Bad song. Good show. I'll keep listening. Tom. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. Thanks, dude. Thanks for not being comic book guy and blowing us up. But you're right. It was called USA for Africa. So. All right. And that was the only. <laughs> right. 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 We're smart. Uh, <laughs> I'm smart. I could do it. I'm smart. I was skipped over, Mikey. <laughs> um, all right, music news. I got. I got a couple things. The first one, man, was I. I Shane McGowan from the Pogues oh. passed away of pneumonia at age sixty-five. And I know the Pogues uh, were a very important band to you, dude. I've seen them so many times. One time he didn't show up because the night before he fell off the fucking stage. He was so drunk he broke his fucking leg. Uh, I remember I've seen you were him, saying like I seen him would... in Philly a couple weeks later and he was in this wheelchair and he's singing from the wheelchair. <laughs> I remember you saying like you you take the limo up to New York and go uh, see him and dude he I know was, that was like a big thing for you. He he was a poet and not for nothing he's got one of the greatest Christmas songs ever. Yes, yes. So we uh before we did um recorded this one, we cut our entry for the song facts podcast christmas episode and last year we did our our bit was on the fairy tale from new york with shane mcgowan and christy mccall i agree they the pogues were a great you know a punk band that used a lot of traditional irish instruments and shane mcgowan you're right he was a street poet and had all kinds of problems with drugs he couldn't sing to save his life yeah i mean he sounded like ralph the dog you know from the muppets (laughs) But with a lot of let's let's play a little tribute to him. Yeah, dude. He has a a song from Fall from the Grace of God. It's called If I Should Fall from the Grace of God. But play a little bit of it. Slide 
Oh, God, I'm going to miss you, Shane. Yeah, they you made bastard. a lot of good music. And yeah, he, he got was... fired from the band and for all his drinking. And then they got back together. And I Joe heard Strummer he was... was singing with them for a while. Uh, I heard that he was such an alcoholic from inside the band. You know what he would drink? He would drink dry vermouth. That's it. Just dry vermouth. That is like the yeah. barrel. That is the bottom of the barrel, brother. Because that shit's that's, strong. That shit yeah. will knock you on your ass. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Poor guy. He was yeah. he just tortured himself his whole life. And, you know? He, he had uh, so, some of the worst teeth in rock and roll history, too. Yes, he did. He, he did was the original. Himself. He was the original president of the Sex Pistol fan club. Was he really? Because I was going to yes. say he was like the Irish Johnny Rotten in a lot yeah, of ways. Well, like, just that punk he, attitude. You could see him in those old footage of the Sex Pistols, like videos, like the home movies and everything. He would have this jacket on and it was like the Union Jack. So he would run around with it and you could see him in it in, in the little bit in the little home movies and shit that the band that made. group. Yeah, that group that used to follow them around. It was like, yeah. like Susie Sue and Billy Idol and all those guys. He was one of them. Huh. Interesting. I think he was the president that. Yeah, he was the president of the, of the fan club. Wow. Well, that makes a lot of sense to me. Just the uh, the sure. punk rock sensibilities that he had. So they're yeah, just they're was, very cool. You know, you don't need to wait until St. Patrick's Day to listen to them. The Pogues are always good to listen to. Any time of the year, Christmas, St. Patrick's Day, Easter, they got you covered. Absolutely. All right. And the other song that I had or the other story that I had was about Kiss. So Kiss performed their final concert at Madison Square Garden in New York. And at the end of the show, to probably nobody's surprise, they announced that this really wasn't the end. Did they really? Yeah, you didn't see this? I, I didn't pay attention to it. Okay, so the end of the encore, they walked off the stage. They played rock and roll all night. And then these digital versions came out on screen, much like you know, like the hologram kind of things. Yeah. And they the, the holograms did, God. I think it was God Gave Rock and Roll to You. And they said that the digital versions of them will now be continuing as the band. Oh, Christ. And the avatars, these digital avatars were made with like George Lucas's special effects company. And, um, another, like ABBA was doing this. Like they were having like digital versions of like, young oh, God, thing. give it. So up. Kiss, so Kiss said that these guys will be performing, uh, concerts and so like, I don't know, their manager or some shit was like, you know, imagine we could be playing like three concerts at a, at the same time in like three different venues. So they're like the, they're going to become like the, the Siberian orchestra. They're going to be right. out there like everywhere at one time. Yeah. So it's like the, like they're in the matrix now and they're going to like these digital versions of them are going to continue on. And no, thank yeah, you. They're going to use AI and everything else. Just, just keep making, making. So what? Music. They're just going to set up a big screen and they're going to have that shit. And then just going to have fire and all that shit. I probably, I That's mean, they the haven't dumbest. announced any plans yet, but they just said, like, you know, the live version of the band is retiring and the new digital version of us is going to continue on. They should just call quits and bring the midget band over. Right. The mini well, kiss. Mini well, kiss. Like, <laughs> yeah, but they're like, shit, man, we can digitally clone ourselves or we can sell three times as many. Yeah, you know, they're 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 businessmen. Well, they're all about shame, the money. Shame on their fans. 
there's no limit to where they'll go. So. But there's one more news thing that we didn't get into. What is that? It's about Daryl Hall. And I have Oates. I have that too. So okay, okay, all right. So the music world was surprised when news recently broke that Daryl Hall was granted a restraining order against John Oates, but the reason was like initially sealed by the court. So some details on what the hell has been going on is slowly coming out. And I was spending way too much time trying to figure out. I'm interested. According to the TMZ, the two of them are in a joint venture together called Whole Oats Enterprises. And the joint venture owns their music catalog. And Oats was going to sell his part of the company to uh, uh, this company called Primary Wave IP Investment Management. One of those companies that was like buying all the music catalogs from all the musicians and shit like that. And I guess this company already owns part of their music catalog. And Daryl Hall has complained in the media for years about not getting paid fairly when they sold part of their music rights. So he got a court injunction blocking them from uh, from John Oates from selling this and then also got a restraining order saying, like, you can't talk to me either until we can sort <laughs> I the like John Oates sort beat him up. I thought like John Oates beat him up with his mustache. Right, right. And they said that, like, Daryl Hall, I guess, has always been like, John Oates is my business partner. He's not my creative partner. We're not creative equals. It was, like, rather uh, scathing. <laughs> so they're fighting over money. He's like, I wrote Private Eyes, damn it. Right, right. I wrote Maneater, Man-eater. damn it. Um, and they've sold 80 million records and have eight Grammys. So I'm sure there's a lot of money no, they, involved in they, the publishing rights. They closed Live Aid, man. I mean, yeah. they were huge. Yep. Yep. So that was that was the other music news. I did. I had it in my notes. I was like, we'll cover. I was looking that forward to that all week because I thought <laughs> there was a fist fight or some shit. I, I was hoping I thought, too. I was hoping there was a fist fight. At least. Uh, unfortunately, there wasn't. Ah, oh, it's so uh, disappointing. We could get them in the octagon and let them go at it. <laughs> it can sort it out that way. Uh, you got a song for the electric chair this week? Yeah, let's put something from Daryl Hall and John Oates in there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I like it. Um, I don't put I, that. I hate rich girls. Okay. Put that damn song on. You're a rich girl and you're going too far because you God. Yeah. Girls love this song. They all never the, did anything for me. Now, all the money grubbing girls out there. They they are the Philly soul sounds, but oh yeah, yeah. They were always just anime. I never care. They in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Maybe. Yeah. 2014, they were inducted by Questlove. Yeah, I don't know. Billy guy. Yeah. All right, get the I, button. All right. Uh, we sentence you to death. Dude, get the fire extinguisher. His mustache is on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they just they never did anything to me and I know or for me and I know we've said before we're going to do something on the Philadelphia Soul Sound eventually and I guess we'd have to talk about them but you know, I don't know. That's soul. Yeah. All right, man. So I guess that'll do it for episode 74. Go check out the full versions of the songs you played tonight. Go listen to those Springsteen albums. They are awesome and they hopefully will change you, your life. 
They will. They really will. And hopefully some of you will go get to see him on the road next year. I'm we're holding on to our tickets, looking forward to it. I think the dates have already been announced, the two Philly shows. Cool. Oh. I'm in. Yeah. And then uh yeah, be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Check us out on Facebook or Twitter. Visit our website. You drop us an email at show at prisoners to rock and roll dot com. We'd love to hear from everybody. We always read comments on the air. And we'd be happy to mail you some stickers if you want some. You can uh Keep them for yourself or give them to somebody for Christmas. And speaking of Christmas, I guess we're going to be back in our next episode with our fourth Christmas special, which is just amazing to me. As I said at the opening, there it's like the fourth time doing anything. This is crazy. It's going to be a rocking Christmas, Bruce. I'm looking forward to it, dude. We're going to talk about some good Christmas music, just kind of get into the into the uh, Christmas spirit. I was listening to last year's Christmas episode uh, this week, and I was I was driving around. I was listening to it. So good stuff. No sarcasm this year, just up straight Christmas party. I love it, dude. I love it, man. Um, I'm looking forward to it. So you have an awesome two weeks, and uh, we'll be back. Everybody out there, keep on rocking. Peace out. achieve the American dream. The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship the studio behind American Scandal comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.